I think it is. And I think that, um, again, it's if we put these stories out there and then other people um, who are both childless and LGBTQ or people, person of colour or a person with a disability or any other thing that makes them different and diverse, if they can see their own stories being told and people from their communities stepping up and telling their stories, that it might make them feel that, yeah, I also have a place at this table. Welcome to the Full Stop Podcast with Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, Berenice Smith from Walking Our Shoes and me, Michael Hughes from Married and Childless. Now, if this is your first time here, our podcast is centred around supporting the Childless Not By Choice community and our aim is to be a focal point for that community and with all our special guests, show you how to manage your grief and the issues specific to us and by example, show that a full and happy life can be had without those children we dearly wanted. Now, this episode, we're having a conversation around diversity. We were extremely fortunate to have as our guests, Victoria Firth. Now, don't believe what her website says. She is way more than a performer, theatre maker and director from Yorkshire. And we have the return of the delightful Muriel Whale, counsellor, author and World Childless Week champion. Now, we hope you will understand through our chat it's important they introduce themselves. Welcome everyone to the Full Stop Podcast. And this week we have Victoria Firth and Muriel Whale as our guests. And um, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. So Victoria, would you like to go first? Yes, okay then. So hello everybody, I'm Victoria and uh, I am a female. I am Northern. I am in my late 40s uh, and I probably identify as queer, although I am currently in a uh, lesbian partnership and I don't have children. And my work is in theatre, so I write and make theatre and clown around a little bit and do a bit of cabaret. So generally trying to be a creative person. Thank you, Victoria. Muriel. Hi, everybody. My name's Muriel. And like Victoria, I'd say that I identify as queer. I do use the pronouns she, her. And um, I work, I do various different jobs. I work as a therapist, predominantly with the Childless Not By Choice community, although I also work with people who are LGBTQ plus and people who are neurodiverse or who have friends and family um, who are neurodiverse or partners. Um, but yeah, the majority of my counselling work is with the Childless Not By Choice community. And that's something I've been doing for nearly two years. Um, I am childless and I had various different routes to that as we all did. And um, it's great to be back on the Full Stop podcast after my previous appearance when I talked about mental health and well-being. And Mary, I, th- I think you'd be glad to hear that that is one of our biggest uh, shows in terms of listeners too. Oh, wow. That's great. Because I'm obsessed with the stats. Sorry. <laughs> That's really good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for joining us today, both of you. It's just really lovely that you've taken the time to come and talk to us. And b- before we hit the record button, um, 
Mary, you said some very important words about in terms of sort of the community and your both of you and how you're representing that how you want to make sure it's your stories. I wonder if you could just sort of paraphrase that for everybody because I know I'll do it really clumsily but it's a really important point I think that you made there. Yeah of course I think I just wanted to say that um, although I am somebody who is queer and part of the LGBTQI plus community um, I can only talk about my own story and everybody from that community is unique and has their own unique stories. So while I'm very proud to be part of that community and delighted to be asked to represent it today, I can only really represent my own individual story and my own part of it. And it's really important to know that for as many LGBTQI plus people as there are, there are that many stories. And I can't speak for everybody, I can speak for myself. And that's, I think that's an important thing to know because we're also, we're also different and unique. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Brilliant. Thank you so much for clarifying that. That's a really important point to make. So the podcast today, we wanted really to, one of the things that we had, um, that we've discovered in our journey as three presenters is all the different themes that happen, that occur within our community. So we've had, we talk about involuntary childlessness as a whole, um, but within that are subsets of different themes and different issues and different conversations that don't always come to light. And we, I found, I think it's true of Michael and Sarah, that there is very little conversation and very little, um, anything out there really, that really talks about LGBTQ plus and childlessness and how that impacts upon people and those conversations don't seem to be happening and I wondered if you might want to sort of talk about a little if you felt comfortable about how you feel that impacts on you and that and to share perhaps a little bit of the change you would like to see and the conversations that you would like to take place. Um, I don't mind starting a bit with that question if that's okay Victoria. Um, I grew up in a very liberal environment um, where I had friends who had two mothers and two fathers um, so very very different kind of families to the norm and this was in the 70s and 80s and but even so when I came out for the first time I experienced a lot of um, negativity I guess particularly from family members so I went back in <laughs> The closet and stayed there for quite a long time and one of the reasons I think that I stayed stayed in the closet for such a long time was because I thought even though I'd had this upbringing where I'd had friends who had different kinds of families I thought that I could only have children in a straight relationship um, and so I tried really hard <laughs> to do that obviously it didn't work um, and it was really it was a real liberation to be able to come out again for the second time and um, I embrace that side of my identity. That was kind of once, once my, my, my childlessness journey was over, really. So I guess it would be really great for there to be more opportunities for people to see that you can have children in lots of different kinds of families. And I think that's really beginning to happen, um, which is great. I do know lots of queer people who are parents. Um, and I think there is beginning to be a lot more acceptance about that probably I'm a bit I'm a bit blase to it where I live down on the south coast perhaps 
might not be happening in other parts of the UK and certainly not in the world. And it's really important to remember that things in other countries in the world are very different for LGBTQ people, very, very different. Um, we're, we're comparatively lucky in the UK. So yeah, I'd really like there to be more acceptance and understanding of diverse kinds of families. Um, but also, I think we need to remember that um, the LGBTQ people can be sometimes, and again, this is always going to be dealing with generalizations, but um, seen as a sort of single issue. So it's like, well, if you're, if you're gay, you can't be worried as well about being childless. So again, it's about broadening that and saying, yeah, that we need to think about the needs of all childless people. And I think particularly as, as we get older, I think that's really important to think about. I know that's been a theme of quite a lot of podcasts and discussions recently about ageing without children. So I think, yeah, I think there are lots of important things to think about and lots of changes that it would be good to see. And it's reassuring to think that some of that is beginning to happen, that hopefully people like me won't think, well, I better stay and pursue straight relationships because I won't be able to have children in a, in a queer relationship. Yeah, I, I, um, I realised that in sort of trying to prepare a bit for coming on the podcast that I was thinking about my sexuality in relation to my process of trying to get pregnant and perhaps not so much in terms of where I've ended up but I, I certainly agree with what Meryl was just saying there um, in terms of the importance of role models I think when I was younger I, there was absolutely no role models at all of people who were out and queer um, or you know however they related in terms of their identity just people who were other than a certain kind of culture that I was experiencing um, and particularly and I think that that was a real problem for me in terms of giving myself permission or validation that that could be something that I wanted or that is something that I could determining them about because it wasn't going to come about naturally as a consequence of um, being in a relationship um, and I, I do think it's been it's starting to change quite a lot in, in terms of where I live and uh, again appreciating that that's quite different but I think that that was quite a big factor for me and more visibility around that I think is super helpful um, I think the other thing for me is that um, I sometimes feel like being in a same-sex relationship that people relate to me as if I haven't grown up. Certainly sometimes within my family, there's sort of a sense that, you know, I'm still playing at life a bit or being a student or I haven't quite settled down. Um, and that's changed now that I have, um, you know, when I have cohabited with partners or, or now we've got a dog. The dog has been a game changer in terms of that sort of recognition of being a, like a family unit. But I think that a lot of that was, is to do with sexuality, but then it's compounded by not having children because you're sort of not hitting those um, recognisable life markers of sort of maturing, getting older. And so you're always the one like in terms of family arrangements that can easily fit in with everybody else because your life is just very easy and social and you can just go around everything. And, you know, maybe there's not the same recognition for your homemaking. Um, so um, I can see um, Mary nodding. So I hope I'm not going wildly off tangent, but yeah. I, so I think it's just that, um, you know, yeah, that just recognizing that diversity of lifestyle really. Absolutely. I think that's right. And it's really interesting what you said about feeling some, there's sometimes being asked you that you haven't really grown up yet. 
and I've, I've certainly felt that um, I, I sometimes feel like I've got two quite distinct groups of friends. I've got my friends who have families and then I've got my queer friends who mostly don't have families in the way that we would traditionally understand them, my families with children. I actually think that the word family is a really, really diverse word and needs to be broadened massively to encompass all sorts of different families. I think two people and a dog is a family. I think one person and a cat is a family. I think we really need to go families are broad, but in the traditional sense of the family, I'm thinking, yeah, I've got my kind of queer friends who mostly are childless, whether that's by choice or not. Sometimes it's by choice as well. And I've got my kind of family friends. And I sometimes do feel with the family friends that I'm a bit like, yeah, I'm a bit like the one who will be relied upon to play with the kids and to be quite childlike in a way. And I think that's partly because I do work a lot with children. So I do have that capacity to get down and play with kids. And that's part of my work as well as as well as probably that I'm just quite a playful person. But yeah, there is sometimes a sense I feel that yeah, I haven't quite I haven't quite grown up, I haven't hit the markers um, that you should hit to to be a you know, to be a fully fledged grown up, I'm not married and I don't have kids. And that that's really that's that's sad. And I do think, like I said, we need to really broaden in this in this society the concept of family to be a lot broader and not to be so divisive. And then the other thing that occurred to me is, is and I touched on it in, in a bit when I was talking about my history, is that internalized homophobia, which I really had, as well as dealing with homophobia from, out, from outside me, from other people. I also had some real internalized homophobia, which I had to kind of work on and which I'm still working on um, because you know we can we forget now because our in the uk society is a lot more liberal but it certainly wasn't like that in the 70s and 80s because we still have clause 28 apart from anything else um it said you couldn't promote homosexuality in schools and i i do work in schools and i've actually experienced homophobia from other staff in some of the schools that i've worked in so uh, schools are you know educating children is a lot better these days but we've still got still got a long way to go to help other young people not to grow up with this kind of internalized and annexed homophobia that we might have experienced when we were growing up yeah i think that's true and also i think it's also just sort of for me i think i had the very sort of heteronormative outlook in terms of what families would look like and so when i was thinking about having a family i was feeling like I need to sort of have those attributes of a stable relationship um, excuse me <clears throat> and um, and father figures and you know that all those things are important but I was only limited way um, and so I had quite a lot to process and to grieve for and to give permission for about that um, but the other part maybe of my sort of internalized homophobia that was that when I was coming out I tended to compartmentalize myself so if there was something that I wasn't confident about with regards to my identity I tended to keep it a bit separate from my family or from my friends who I hadn't yet come out to um, and it was like a it was just like a strategy you know and I, I was lucky enough to go away to university so I was experimenting with my new sort of coming out identity there but then I wasn't really bringing it home with me and I think it was probably a spillover from having that strategy that when I um, started to 
uh, try and explore whether I could have a child and later when I was finding out that that probably wasn't going to be possible to me again because I was unconfident in that identity and experiencing things like shame that you know can be associated with it I took that same strategy of compartmentalizing I was like oh I need to take my difference away from everybody else um, and actually I'm not sure that that's you know always helpful in terms of it, it took me longer to access support and you know you know just within my own friendship circle or my own community let alone accessing kind of professional support because I just had developed early on that mindset of like if I've got something different going on for me then then I take it away from other people because it's it's too risky in terms of if it's not accepted yeah yeah I wonder Victoria how how have you applied that splitting off of things that are different to being childless or is that something that you have kind of split off a bit or does that feel a bit more integrated now well I sort of by accident made a theatre piece about being childless um, which <laughs> I had absolutely no intention of doing but um, but it, it kind it kind of arrived that uh, I made a um, a performance piece called how to be amazingly happy about being childless and that for me was a process of integration I was like okay I have to stand in all of my identities now you know I want to go back to being a performer and I'm making an autobiographical show and um, although there's a certain amount of character in it it's very very clear that it is me and it is my story and so that sort of did become a process of thinking okay now I you know these things are true you know yeah. so I have to stand in my truth and yeah. then going to a place where I was then very public about that um, then enabled me to be able to do things like this um, and so now I, it's more integrated mm -hmm. but I but I, I still know that I have that edge of privacy about it so it's not something that I would disclose in situations where I didn't feel comfortable or um my um I'm at my sister's house at the moment and so I've got a niece and nephew and uh one of them I don't know whether it was told or sort of found out that that I you know tried to have a child and couldn't and I was absolutely flawed and mortified again because I hadn't been able to sort of control that information and all of those feelings about being sort of a failure or whatever you were triggered and so even though I've done you know very public things now around childlessness and uh, not by choice and mm -hmm. and integrated it you know it can still come up I guess it can yeah. still come up. There's something really important about having control over our information and sharing it in ways that feel comfortable whether that's information about identity or about childlessness I think it's really important not to not to out other people in any way whether that's outing them as lgbtqi plus or outing them as childless that we're that these sensitive you know tender parts of our, of our lives and experiences that we have control over how that's shared and i think sandy often doing it in the theater piece is a fantastic way of controlling that controlling what you what other people see of you so yeah i'm full of respect for you for, for doing that and um and having seen bits of it it was fantastic as well so should definitely take the chance to see it people if you can <laughs> thank you i wonder you, you've sorry to chime in i hope you don't mind but i was there, there seems to be this sense that you kind of have to hide away a bit then so there's a bit of you've got a double difficulty if you like because you've got 
the childlessness and then you've got your, your sexuality so mm. it sounds to me so that there's echoes across both subjects for you when it comes to your feelings around them that sounds it's i mean i know that i i feel a lot of shame around mine and i'm a bit like victoria my stuff's all over the, the website but when it comes to people talking to me about it it's like whoa 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 you know we do it on my my terms we're yeah. not i'm not going to have this thrust at me and so i can be very sort of like i'm going to shut this down mm-hmm. so it sounds to me like berenice and i were sort of trying to find some things you know to research and sort of think well you know how do we get into your frame of reference how do we talk about this but there's so little out there so is there a sense that you are part of this community but you're kind of hidden away a little bit I do think it's a, it's a bit of a double it's a bit of a double identity and I think there can be shame associated with both parts of my identity um, and as a, both as a, both as somebody who's from the LGBTQI plus community and somebody who's childless, not by choice. Um, I blog a lot about childlessness on my website and I'm beginning to be more open on my website about also being LGBTQ plus. Um, I did a seminar um, a year ago about diversity and childlessness and that was the beginning of me being a bit more open about that part of my identity. And then when the new edition of um, J.D. Day's book, Living the Life Unexpected, came out, she really made a big effort to broaden the, the diversity content of that book and to speak to people of colour, to LGBTQI plus people, to people who have practised religions. Um, she, she really did broaden out, and that's great. So there is now some material out there. Um, but yeah, I think there is a, a bit of a a double whammy and in a way every time you start a new job you have to come out in a way both as as queer and childless and also for me I have to come out as, as being neurodiverse as being dyspraxic which is a thing that you can't even see but actually you can't see that I'm childless and you can't see that I'm queer either so I've got all these things that you can't see I have to talk about them um, and I've had probably more negative comments about my childlessness in some of the places that I work than I have about being queer, um, which is quite difficult because being queer is an identity that I can celebrate. I'm really proud of it. I really want to celebrate it. Um, I, I, I love doing things with, 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 with my queer community and really celebrating that. I don't want to celebrate being childless. I can't celebrate that. That's one of the most heartbreaking experiences of my life. Even even just talk, even just saying that now makes me feel a bit emotional, you know. And it's my journey ended five years ago, almost to this day, actually. Um, so yeah, it's it's not something that I quite I yet feel I can kind of be out and proud about. I'm proud of how I've dealt with it. I'm proud of what I've done with my life because of my childlessness, and I've really turned it, hopefully, to good use. Like I'm turning around and supporting the childless people coming up. With, you know behind me with my counseling and the things that I write but yeah it's very hard to to celebrate the fact of it itself whereas being queer is something that I love so yeah and it's, it's a funny one actually that dual identity thing something I can be really proud of and happy about and something that I'm a bit it's tinged with tinged with sadness And appreciate that 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 we 
yeah it, it, i'm just struggling to get some words together here because there's so much in terms of retouch there on the um being neurodiverse or dyspraxia um which i know that we're going to talk about separately mariel because <laughs> yeah. i'm we share that in common and that idea of sort of celebration and and i suppose maybe i'm thinking that there's so much there is celebration in terms of lgbtq plus and pride and i think maybe perhaps people are understanding that a little bit more than they did before but again as you as you both rightly said you know it, it it's not that long ago that this was definitely an area again like we found we're talking to, to, to Yvonne and this very recent history within my lifetime and I'm I know probably within yours as well that it's it, illegality um inaccessibility it's not spoken about it's completely taboo yeah. Then you have the whole concept of the whole neurodiverse, and I don't know about you, but I find it very hard to explain what dyspraxia is because <laughs> it's such a broad church that you know um, that frankly <laughs> there's that idea of you know none of us you know can can dress ourselves or something like that. That's just definitely not an issue that either no, of us have. I can I, I'm wearing clothes, <laughs> and so is Mariel. Just to be clear, everybody, um, we're fine and we're here. <laughs> but you know, again, that has its own. <laughs> Yeah. Then of course you then add on this another layer, isn't it, as well, of childlessness. And and I think it's very interesting about what you've both spoken about in terms of going public about this, because again, the podcast is is kind of a, a big step, I think, in terms of for the three of us going public and saying, you know, if you if you search my name, all of our names here on this podcast today, you will find that that comes up as a theme. And yeah. it's the attitudes to that. And, and there must be a kind of, I, I, I mean, I can only speak from sort of the dyspraxia and obviously from, from you know, for the whole thing of childlessness. And there's assumptions that people make, but there, there's huge assumptions made, I think, in, in terms of the areas that, um, my words are getting tangled up. You know, yeah. this is dyspraxia as well, isn't yeah. it? But yeah. it's just these assumptions that people yeah. make yeah. about, um, all of these different areas within this big kind of umbrella of, of involuntary childlessness, which in itself is a, a tangled phrase. Yeah. In it, because not everybody is another phrase I saw the other day about other, anotherhood was a yeah. phrase that I saw recently as well, which I, I, I think is a very good phrase because not everybody likes the less. It's, it's all very complicated. All these labels yeah. Language. apply to each other. I think we're all carrying a weight of expectation. What are LGBTQ people plus like? Well, we've already said mm. as, as diverse as there are LGBTQ plus people, but they you know certainly not that long ago, for example, LGBTQ plus people couldn't adopt or foster. And again, that wasn't that, that wasn't that long ago, I don't think. Um, so yeah, we're carrying this weight of expectations of what these labels make us like. Childless, childless people can just swan about doing whatever they want get up whenever they like you know I and mean, i've had people say things to me like oh you know it's all right for you to do this piece of work that we've all got to do you don't have a life outside you don't have a life outside work because you don't have kids so i can, i've got so suddenly it's okay for me to work harder because i don't have to go and pick my kids up or hang on i do have a life outside work 
<laughs> I really do. So we're, we're holding these, these, you know, these assumptions that, that are given to us because of our labels, where I think it's really important. And it's kind of what I was saying about not, not being able to represent other people, that we focus in on individual stories and individual individuals, and we don't use these labels to make assumptions. And I think that's the case about neurodiverse people, as you've identified, Berenice, you know, we, this labels, I think it's the same about queer people, about childless people, really investigating what someone's life and experience is like and not going with the laziness of making an assumption because of a label. I think that's really important. I think there's something about assumptions that I wanted to um, add to that, which is that I think sometimes people feel like if you're um, in a same-sex relationship or a, a non-typical relationship, in my experience, in a in a same-sex relationship, that you don't want to have children. Yeah. You know, so there's just an assumption that you know that all of those things that affect a lot of childless people. Um, child that's not by choice people where people are insensitive in those kinds of comments like oh gosh it must be so easy for you or like oh I wish I didn't have kids and you know all of that kind of stuff that there's possibly even less filtering because people don't clock perhaps as sensitively mm. I don't know I'm, I'm really worried that making those generalizations here but I, I think the bottom line is is that sometimes people think that by choosing if there is to be gay you are also choosing not to have children because that is predetermined by the kind of relationship that you're having and and lots of uh, queer people um, are happily childless by choice which is fantastic but there are also a large number who are childless not by choice and just felt like it was never an option for them or, or tried and found out like it wasn't possible as in my case um, but other people don't think that they just think it's a default position of being queer that you that you know you you wouldn't have kids and and that is start to change I think in terms of people are recognizing more um, those people who have been successful with children as families but there's still a lot of invisibility around those people who tried and didn't get to have families absolutely I think it's why it's important to tell these stories and I think that's why Victoria your theatre making is so important um, because it's a way of telling the story in a really um, accessible and fun way because your show was a lot of fun <laughs> as well as being about you know a very painful topic um, there was a lot there's a lot of moments that I remember you know smiling and laughing at um, part, partly kind of in recognition but partly because it was just you know a fantastic story fantastically told um, <laughs> and it was an enjoyable enjoyable experience to watch it as well as as well as being very poignant but yeah I do think we need to we need to have the, the guts to tell these stories without shame but as I know that's not that's not easy it's only in the last year that I've really been able to come into that part of my identity as a, as a queer childless person um, and that's that's yeah, and, and, and I was worried about it. I was I was worried that I would that I would that it might affect my business or um, my work to come into that identity. But it's an important one to come into, particularly as I think the, the two things are connected in my story anyway. It's, yeah, which is why we need to, you know, talking about it, even if it does feel anxiety and sort of vulnerability inducing is an important thing to do and have, having the opportunity to come on podcasts and to write I mean I blog a lot very broadly about childlessness but I am as I say beginning to bring more of my identities 
into my into my writing and you know when Jodie asked me to come on the podcast the podcast a year ago about diversity and childlessness and to and she interviewed me for the new edition of the book as well that was that was really good yeah having the guts to, to kind of put myself out there I think you both do incredibly well with that I I I, I think you you're both examples to, to to many people in in the sense of how you've kick-started those conversations through the work that you do um it does take huge huge amounts of courage to do that and i and and again i i i've watched um your play as well victoria and i think it's just incredibly accessible but also just really interesting and, and incredibly moving as well and yeah it's really important i really recommend that people go and watch that because you recently put it online didn't you as well is that right yeah, so the last part of the tour was cancelled because of um, COVID and theatres mm. being shut down. So I thought for August, which is traditionally the Edinburgh Festival Fringe mm. Month, which is where I first did the show, that I put it online. Yeah. So it's it's up online for all of August. But I think um, I'm also going to put it up at the end of um, World Childless Week. Um, Fabulous. That's so uh, if, people, if people don't catch it in time, it, it'll be available again then. Lovely. That's fantastic. That's really good. We'll make sure that we get those links out as well to um, our audience here as well. Uh, World Childless Week is not far away, as, <laughs> as we're all aware, we're all involved in some form. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, actually, if, if on, the, on the, one of the days, on the diversity, we've got a diversity day at World Childless Week this year, which is exciting. And um, Yvonne and I are releasing a series of video interviews um, as part of World Childless Week. That's Yvonne John. Um, who's been on the, this podcast before um, and uh, we're looking forward to getting those interviews out there one of which is with Victoria so that's quite exciting um, and those interviews are going to be coming out to watch during World Childless Week. Fantastic World Childless Week actually falls I'm just grabbing the website here it falls on the 14th of September until the 20th of September and um, you'll, you'll find lots of people from the podcast our guests involved <laughs> during the week it's very busy this year there's a lot going on yeah. as well so it'll be fantastic to to catch up and um with different people in our community about lots of different things and the diversity today i think is going to be really really interesting i know that you've been working really hard on that mariel with yvonne there's an yeah. awful lot going on on that day it's going to be quite busy i think it is and i think that um again it's if we put these stories out there and then other people um who are both childless and LGBTQ or people, person of colour or a person with a disability or any other thing that makes them different and diverse. If they can see their own stories being told and people from their communities stepping up and telling their stories, that it might make them feel that, yeah, I also have a place at this table yeah that's it yeah in fact actually that's a, that's an interesting um, phrase you've used there because it's one that um, um both i think Sevilla and yvonne have also used is that you know we all have a place at the table it's just the setting looks a little bit different yeah and i think that is just such a really good analogy um particularly i think when you again when you talk before about you know kind of dealing with uh, with family and things like that and again I think we've all experienced that in, to, to some degree and I can emphasize completely that now um, I have a dog I now have a um, responsibility and therefore I've slightly grown up in a very <laughs> very tiny way just because I, I have this thing with four legs it's about oh you know but you know actually and when I go out with family and I don't have, for whatever reason, uh, my brother got married um, in November last year. So I didn't have the dog with me. 
-hmm. and um as I've got to feel quite naked without dogs I don't have my responsibility anymore with me therefore I've kind of regressed back somewhere to when I was sort of 18 and a goth and <laughs> you know you it's, it's odd how that happens and how that kind of that narrative plays into perhaps all of our perhaps our stories somewhere along the line but it's that place at the table whether it's your family's table whether it's yeah an actual table or something else you know we all have the right to be there it's just sometimes a little bit hard to take that seat and to sit there and be with that moment yeah I think if, the, if, if I'm just thinking of something Victoria said a few minutes ago about expectations and if people can appear at that table and say I've got a story and I'm going to tell it then that will challenge the assumption and the expectation that yeah LGBTQ plus people somehow chosen not to have kids because they've chosen this lifestyle. Um, they actually know there are there are queer people who wanted kids and didn't have them, and there are people from other communities who wanted them and didn't have them. And it's really yeah, so important to get to get these diversities of stories out there to really challenge the weight of assumptions that can be on us. You know, like all childless people are this. All LGBTQ people have chosen not to have kids, and I've got to start saying no. That there are so many different routes and so many different stories. There's also that yeah. kind of idea, I think, is where you have that lack of education over. Obviously, we're talking about childlessness, but in terms of that bit before childlessness and the ways that there are to have children. You're kind of going back to that all oh, you know just adopt um scenario but actually there are which is obviously not a you know we kick back on that one big time because it's it's yeah. not a case of just doing anything nothing's a just when it comes to, yeah. to trying to have children but there is a lack of um awareness and education in the the, the part before you come to involuntary childlessness about all the different ways that that people can be a parent but also how how fragile that journey is as well and how it can it's not as simplistic as people think people assume it to be and we see it so often don't we in the media i know it's something that bb lynch has spoken about as well and one of our past guests as well we've all talked about it at some point but it actually is incredibly complex and people really do suffer a huge ignorance mm. i kind of want to say they suffer because it is it's 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 an ignorance that i think it, it perpetuates in 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 society and you see it so often in in any article about um about infertility um adoption fostering all those different ways um that's a, a big conversation i think that needs to happen as well yeah yeah i i sort of want to shoe some horn something in here <laughs> Don't to think if I'm shoehorning in around it being no, about go, go different ahead. identities or whether I just I just want to say it and it, it applies to everybody to a degree. But I think there are, it, you're talking about there's lots of different ways that people think about having children and awareness around that or where there's ignorance around that. And I think in terms of a same sex relationship and trying to have children or as a single woman and trying to have children and I've and I've been both, um, you know, there is a fundamental thing about how you're going to go about it. And if you choose to do it with clinical help, then you also get sort of medicalized. I'm sort of doing air quotes with that, like potentially a lot earlier on in the journey. So um, quite a lot of people obviously go to clinical help because they, for various reasons and as variously successful or not. But sometimes when it doesn't come from a, 
a clinical beginning place. It just comes from an absence of what genetic material me you need. Or, you know, um, trying to navigate those systems, and plus with the with the queer identity, you know, quite perhaps sometimes earlier on in the process. So, like again, there's generalisations in there, but what I wanted to get at saying really, because it's been the thing that people have um fed back to me whenever i've done speaking like this that it's been one of the most helpful things i've said is that for me in terms of moving on in my childless journey um realizing that what happened to my identity as the result of being um, medicalized or going through a process of ivf is that it is in itself a traumatic process it's a trauma and it really helped me in moving forward to see it as such because then I started to take care of myself in a different kind of way. Um, and I'm sure that has resonance for lots of people, um, which is why I just wanted to make sure that, that I said it. I'm glad you said that, Victor. I think that's very true. As someone who's gone through it as well, IVF, it is a trauma. It's, yeah. I'm still coming to terms with that kind of trauma side of it and realising that it actually is something like that. Um, and framing it like that because I've kind of been a bit dismissive that it was a thing that happened and now it's you know compartmentalized it into other medical stuff but actually it's not it's so much more than that it's a much bigger thing um, that demands its own sort of coming to terms with and its experience as well yeah I'm glad you said that thank you and support so important to as you said Victoria to to the way you treat and support yourself after something like that that has been so traumatic, particularly if you're also dealing with shame. You can feel, well, oh, I don't deserve to be supported. I don't deserve to be cared for. I don't deserve to care for myself um, because I feel ashamed. Um, but actually, I think we need to turn that on its head as well and say, yes, it is, it is a traumatic experience and that we do need to be able to care for ourselves and to um, also expect that from other people and not to think we don't deserve it. Very well said. Yeah. It's um, <coughs> talking about, oh, sorry, Marco, you've chimed oh, in. Oh, you go ahead. You go ahead, Sarah. You go ahead. <laughs> you sure? Yep. Um, so you, you were talking about milestones earlier, which I found interesting because um, I, I too chime with that. I think, you know, there's, there's perceptions that I've not, not graduated as such because I haven't got children. Um, so I wonder what, what you've got planned going forward what milestones do you still want to achieve moving forward victoria especially because obviously you've got your play uh which i saw a snippet of at um the fertility fair was it last year seems like such a long time ago doesn't it with covid mm. um so what what else have you got planned going forward um well i've written a new show um which is a about it's called batty and it doesn't exist yet so uh because of the, the state of theater and culture at the moment but it's about a woman who thinks she might be turning into a witch and it's looking at the idea of um the untamed woman or rewilding so i, I guess there's some similarity in that it's looking at themes of otherness um, but it's also looking about how our connection with nature and the seasons and rituals um, are really important for for our sense of self 
and also by being more connected to ourselves, we're also more connected to the environment which is something that I realise that I'm getting increasingly interested in as a theme so at some point hopefully when when the world starts to move again um, I'm going to be making a new show and I'm also um, training to be an Alexander Technique teacher which again I would have qualified by now if it wasn't for Covid but hopefully at some point I will do so for me um, one of the things that um, came out of being childless was that I sort of got off that track of going oh this is this is how a life rolls out because mine clearly isn't and I had to do a massive rethink and go oh actually what what is happiness you know what what's that made of you know is it made of having a strong identity or having a sense of belonging or a sense of purpose you know or being part of a community and so I was like okay well how do I make those things you know and and I think having that permission to do things that you want to do is really hard to give yourself but so so important and you know I like doing different things and I like trying new hobbies and and I always did want to do performing and so that's why I was like okay well it always felt really high risk before and it still was but there was a sort of feeling of what else can go wrong you know I may, I may as well just go for this now because everything else has you know gone to tosh I know I can swear but I'll avoid it but <laughs> it was stronger language at the time um and so I'm, I'm really pleased that that's working out for me you know sort of going okay I'm going to pursue my passions I'm going to pursue my interests um I'm going to um keep working on other relationships that I have in my life you know that that feels um really healthy for me and it is making me happy so I, I'm going with more of that fantastic I love the sound of the new play I have to say that's right up my street all the all the uh, the, the witchy naturey stuff that's all my sort of bag as well that's gonna be amazing what about you Mariel it sounds like you've got a lot coming up as well yeah I can't wait to see your play Victoria I, I, I really hope you can um bring it down to the south coast otherwise we'll just have to have some kind of trip up to see it wherever it's on whether that's Edinburgh or somewhere else um but just want to say the Brighton has a very good fringe festival when it's when it's allowed to be on again so just saying um <laughs> I um I, I I will talk about what I've got coming up but also just want to say that not becoming a mother changed me as much as becoming a mother would have done I think and actually I do think that's a big been a big milestone in my life um, and I think it's really important for, for people to, to know that I wrote a blog a few months ago about for other therapists, particularly therapists with children, but what your childless client wants you to know. And I, I asked other childless people to, to help me with this. So again, I didn't make assumptions about all childless people have the same thoughts, feelings and journeys, because we know that's not the case. So yeah, I just want to say that actually, um, not becoming a mother was a huge milestone and actually did really did really change me and and I'm going to write another blog about about how that changed me and how that changed other childless people quite soon um because I think it it does make us grow up in quite a painful way actually um and and mature in a way that can be very painful but can also hopefully give us something as well as taking other things away but that, that's a future blog which is to come and hopefully it'll be an interesting one i um I, I guess for me i just want i just want more of the same in my life at the moment i want to carry on working with the childless community as a therapist 
I'd quite like if I can at some point to do couples counselling training so that I can work with childless couples um, because that's something that I've been asked for and haven't been able to to offer because I haven't done the training and I don't want to start working with couples without having had the training I think that's really important to be properly trained um, um, but I'm really very happy just carrying on with my work at the moment with childless people one-to-one -one in therapy um, I want to keep blogging and um, getting those stories out there um, and the, yeah just enjoying my relationships of all kinds um, especially with with children you know actually it's really important for me to have positive relationships with children I've got I've got a nephew I've got two goddaughters, one official and one unofficial. And these relationships really matter to me. Um, and it's important for me to have positive relationships with children. I guess uh, the most exciting new thing that's happened to me recently um, is becoming a novelist and finishing a first draft of my first novel, um, which has now got to go through a second and many more drafts. But I've started, um, and I've started my second novel and I've also got two others um, kicking around and there. There's, so there's, there's sort of three on the go and ideas for two more. And two out of the three are queer historical novels, which is a genre that I particularly love. And then one is a contemporary novel, but with um, queer characters. So that's a big, exciting new thing in my life that I'm really that's enjoying. totally amazing. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying that. And yeah, so watch this space, um, hopefully, you know, the, the, I'm sort of calling myself the Sarah Waters of the Midlands at the moment because although I live on the South Coast now, I did grow up in Birmingham. So, um, yeah, Sarah Waters, and hopefully she and I will at some point be um, be contemporaries in the sense we're both published queer historical fiction novelists. So that's where I'm hoping to be, just carrying on with everything that I'm doing now, plus being a published novelist. That's incredible. So you're both going to be incredibly busy then, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. Because people have loads of, you know, we're, we're, we're never busy, we can just run about and get up and yeah. Well, this is it. Really masses of milestones for both of you, that's incredible. And it's nice to be able to talk about those other things because conversation is so rich because everybody's so interested and everybody's got so much going on. But we have a very sort of narrow bandwidth of, of small talk, I think. Uh, I don't know if it's the same in other countries, but for me. So, you know, you start those kind of um, conversations with the weather, but then you go to, oh, have you, you know, have you got a partner, which is assumed to be sort of generally heterosexual yeah. and what do you do for a living and how are your kids and you know that yeah. we, we have this kind of almost like a script of how we socially engage you know and so being lgbtq plus and um and, and the sort of multi-dimensional identities of, of not having children it's like it's just it's just good to be able to broaden out the social currency that we have in terms of getting to know each other and forming relationships because everybody has got so much going on and there is so much to talk about and delight in Absolutely. And it's wonderful to hear, you know, these creative adventures that we're going on that, that have, that, you know, have nothing to do with our childlessness. They're just these big creative adventures um, that are happening. So yeah, Batty sounds absolutely fantastic. And, and um, yeah, let's keep, we've got to keep having these big lives that are much broader than our identities. This is very big, creative, juicy lives, really. <laughs> I love it. No, it's, it's, it's what you say, isn't it? It's that script, you know, 
so what's the weather like da, 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 da. you just say oh goodness mate come on you, you must you must have more in the, in the locker than that really yeah. there's got to be more the number the number of times as well you'll you'll just have a random conversation with someone and it goes straight to are you married have you got children and you say oh come on it's got to be yeah. better than that surely i do wonder whether texting and modern modern tech though has sort of diminished it still further if you know what i mean yeah and i think you know the 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 last few months have been so odd in terms of our social connectedness um when i when i was thinking about doing this podcast i was thinking gosh it'd be really nice to do something that would have been on zoom anyway but you know this was never going to be a face-to-face meeting with mike with michael in australia it would have been extremely difficult (laughs) you know you should have flown over michael i really think so Um, (laughs) he tried he really (laughs) tried I was so looking forward to meeting. I was so looking forward to meeting you face to face. Anyway, yeah. So yes, I think how we talk about things and and in an age of COVID, how you know something to think about because yeah, how's how has that changed things? But yes, I do agree. Let's get off the questions about the immediate circumstances of our lives and onto the bigger picture because we're all you know, as Victoria says, we're all so interesting. We're all leading these very interesting lives. What is in our hearts? It's so interesting and so powerful. And I think there's a thing about, you know, just it's it's about sort of moving away from singular labels to the fact that everybody is multidimensional, you know, because I know sometimes, you know, as, 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 a, as a woman who's childless, not by choice, a lot of people question like whether they're like a, a full woman or they've realised their womanhood, you know, by because they've not been a mother. You know, so this is kind of, I don't know if it's a kind of imposter syndrome or, or what have you, but like I have imposter syndrome as an artist, like that I'm probably, you know, I might... Am I, you know, am I a real artist? No, everything's probably rubbish. You know, but I also have imposter syndrome, like as a as a as a gay woman or what have you, and that's partly why I probably prefer the tab- term queer, as as long as the fact that, as well as the fact that I think, you know, my identity's um, broad. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, um, I guess you you I think we really were talking about resources and where you find a community and and sometimes what the social offer has been for a gay community or a scene you know it isn't it's quite a narrow aesthetic you know it's not it's not everybody's taste and maybe an upside of the fact of the proliferation of things um going online is is that there's more opportunities for people to explore their own interests and the diverse range of that because you know one of the reasons i feel slightly uncomfortable like going back to where mariel start at the beginning representing kind of a community and I'm like I'm not even sure if I'm a proper one of them you know and I you know and it's just it's just hard um we're so self-judging ourselves all the time in so many so many layers and we sort of need to start embracing ourselves with all of our so many so many layers um did that make any kind of sense <laughs> yeah no absolutely it made a lot of sense Victoria we do need to to take account of all our many many layers and also the fact that we're bigger than all of them you know is we are we are bigger than than just our labels um bigger and more complex and there are so and i say queer is a really useful term in that sense because it means you don't have to say which letter on on the alphabet the lgbtqi plus alphabet you are um it allows us to have a broader identity which i think is is it's, it's really really supportive and really brilliant so yeah i totally totally what you said was great 
Fabulous. Thank you both so that much. That was fantastic. Come to a, hang, a brilliant well, conclusion. Well, I, 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 can I say something? Because yeah. I haven't been able to get a word in edgewise. You haven't been able to get any more. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say at some point, I think Michael wants to say something. And then I was like, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a guest on this podcast. I don't need to, I don't need to do that. <laughs> Only because when Vicky listens to this, she's going to go, Michael, I didn't hear you. <laughs> no. No, really, what I, what I really wanted to say was um, that I was actually quite anxious about this episode because I like to talk about things I know about. And mm. of course, I have absolutely no idea about the lives that you, you two lovely ladies live. So I want to say how privileged I feel to be part of this. And... I wish I could have come over and I wish I could have oh, you know, yeah. been here because I hope this comes out right, but I'd like to sit at your table oh. and listen to you. Thank you. So I wish I could give you both a big hug. Thank, Thank you. you well, we're here at the virtual table all together. We are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. And I, I don't, I felt a bit self-conscious in that I didn't know how to bring in, I sort of wanted to try and bring into the room people who identify as trans or people who identify yeah. as gay male. And I, I didn't to, um, you know, how to bridge that because I can't speak to it, mm. but I'm mindful that even though <laughs> we sort of, um, made that disclaimer that we're only sharing our own stories that we you know we still do tend to sit towards a certain part of the acronym the acronym yeah. um so i don't know i don't know i just i guess i just raise yeah. that i'm raising it now because i didn't raise it then and maybe it's, it's still we, part I of the conversation had, i tried to, a... to find a to find a trans and non-binary person um to interview a trans or non-binary childless person to interview for the um the childless circle videos that Yvonne and I have done and um and I'm still trying and they're going to they're being edited now it's it's been really difficult and I really wanted to to include that part of the community because I think it's really important I think I think trans and non-binary people really do need to come up to the table and be invited to be part of the table because it's a lot of challenges to them at the moment particularly yeah. yes if we you had a you need to keep trying with that <laughs> We we had um, I I uh, Andy Harrod and I started the Clan of Brothers, which is a, a, a safe space just for for guys and um, who are childless, not by choice. And we actually had a someone approach us um, who was acting on the behalf of someone who was tra uh, trans to to join the group. And um, yeah, look, I, I think it must be so tough for them because mm. we've you know I've of course sent back and said hey. Everyone's welcome. Mm. If 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 you identify as, as as a you know as a trans man and want to be part of this, please come in. But yeah, we've we've yet to see them, um, they, uh, you know, ask for approval. So you know, it must be really really tough mm. for people yeah. like that. So so yeah. tough. Yeah, I think we need to. You know, it's important for me anyway to step up and be an ally to the trans and non-binary community. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely important. So thank you for bringing that up, Victoria. I think that's really important. Yeah, and I um, yeah, I was just in the same way. I guess um, talking about sort of um, identities overlapping in terms of being childless and being uh, a queer woman. 
they will be different but there will be the same thing of overlapping identities for people who are you know child's not by choice and male and mm-hmm. identify as a gay man or a, a queer male and um so i i don't know whether just by saying something like that it helps to bring them into the room or you know so that you know that there's acknowledgement even though we can't speak to it i don't know so yeah absolutely um yeah it's really important yeah so, so we're throwing around in cases any bits of conversation that become usable to help do that or if not at least yeah. we've sort of acknowledged it if um there's a way how that how the notes of the episode are framed or something mm-hmm. I think the other, the other thing that's really important to mention is that we're talking from a UK perspective, and I know I touched on this earlier, but there are so many countries in the world where um, where people, LGBTQI plus people, are still um, persecuted, both by the law and by society most horrendously. Um, and I think that's, that's something that troubles me a lot, um, how in the UK things are, things are a lot better you know, civil partnerships, marriage, LGBTQI people plus able to adopt, um, able to access fertility treatment. Um, just the, the so much, so much, things are so much better. I'm not saying there isn't still homophobia and prejudice because there is in the UK. But yeah, I think thinking of our global LGBTQI plus community is really important as well, where it's by no means, is it, is it like this? everywhere in the world which yeah something mm. hopefully this podcast starts a conversation yeah brings that about and, and we just want to i think probably say that you know invite anybody who feels that they would like to carry this conversation forward by the podcast or in fact in in any other um platform then please do get in touch with us in confidence that the emails only come to to us they don't go anywhere else and um more than happy to to pass those on and to carry this conversation on in the form of other episodes i think that's really important um that we we act as a a vocal point of that and that's what we're finding i think in in doing the podcast we just thought we could sit for I don't know, however long we wanted the podcast to go on for indeterminately and talk about the themes that we knew about, but you, you realise, we realise very quickly in, in the people that we were meeting through Fertility Fest and through other events and online as well, that there are so many other aspects of mm-hmm. our community that, that, that need or deserve that voice. So absolutely, if anybody feels that they want to carry that conversation forward and to come along and to, to have an epi- to do an episode with us, then we, we, we welcome you, absolutely welcome you in this safe space. Thanks for staying a distance. Now, please don't forget, we are also on the Trinity of Facebook, Insta and Twitter. And all those links can be found on our website, www.thefullstoppod.com, where you can also register for our newsletter, so you can keep up to date with everything we are up to. We would also appreciate it if you could rate us on the platform you're using to listen to the podcast. The more ratings we get, the wider our spread and the more our community can be reached. Now we'll put Victoria and Muriel's details in the show notes. And if you'd like to be a guest or have a burning issue you think our community should be aware of, we've got all official and have a form on our website that you can fill in to give us some details. Don't forget, we love hearing from our audience. So please, drop us a line anytime. And as always, it's important for us to let you know 
you are not alone. Yeah. You betcha. Great. Thank you. I really Thank enjoyed so that. Much. Actually, we're so happy. Oh, I'm so pleased. Thank you. Yeah, I was really nervous, but I was just really nervous. I wouldn't have anything to say, but I should realise now that that's never really an issue for me. So I just need to <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>